episode of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. Unfortunately, he's not able to be with us today, but he will be back next week. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And any time Reformation has happened in the history of the church, it's always messy. And we're seeing things get messy now as Reformation starts happening in the CRC. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's happening in our denomination, but also to find out what Reformation might look like. We're so thankful for all of you who are faithfully listening each week and faithfully sharing this with other people. Keep up the good work. You are helping the conversations spread throughout the CRC. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Cedric Parcells. Are the confessions a strength? Yeah, I think that the, um, I think they definitely are. I think that, um, you know, confessions, apart from the fact that, apart from the fact that if you read the pastoral epistles in particular, um, you know, the pattern of sound words, um, and, uh, you know, I'm preaching through First Timothy here at Door, and, you know, Paul, and in, in, he does this somewhat in other letters, but in First Timothy, he talks a lot about the faith. Right and and wanting Timothy to there's definitely an apostolic understanding of of this is the faith and I think that um, the confessions are helpful to us in that they sort of provide us with sort of a summary right and obviously they come out of a historical period where certain things are under under contention and so they they tend to touch on certain things other than rather than others uh, but nevertheless there was an attempt especially in something like the Belgian Confession I mean uh, to to uh, claim uh, the, the, the heritage of the universal church, right? Going all the way back to the beginning and saying, no, we're, um, we are part of the true church and confessing what Christians have, you know, presumably always believed about, about many of the important issues. I mean, I think that that was part of what Debray was doing too um, in starting off with, uh, you know, the doctrine of God and, you know, the Trinity. Part of this is, Look, you know, you should stop burning us because, like, we're yeah. we're, we're we're true Christians here. That's that's part of his appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so the confessions I think are important, um, uh, not only because I think there's biblical warrant for having them, but also because they help connect us to uh, the historic church. Um, they they force us to be mindful of the fact that we're part of one uh, Holy Spirit work that has been ongoing since the time of the apostles down to the present. Um, And I think that they're also, you know, extremely valuable in the fact that, um, you know, everyone has a confession, whether they have it written out or not. Um, And here's, I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my Carl Truman to you right now. Uh, But, uh, but, you know, everyone has, everyone has a a confession. It's just an issue of, you know, whether you've written it down or not and whether or not people are going to be able to know what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's, you know, whenever I, 
whenever I whenever I have consistory, whenever I do consistory with my elders, uh, I give a, a, a paper to them that has like a list of all my pastoral contacts that I've made over the last month. And the first question is, you know, are my do you find my sermons to be biblically and confessionally sound? Right. And I think that it helps them and it helps me to sort of know, okay, like what's you know, guides us, as it were, you know, in mm-hmm. we're supposed to be uh, uh, well, guides us in our pursuit of the truth, put it that way. Um, so I definitely think that uh, the confessions are a big plus. Uh, for the Christian Reformed Church, um, what else do I find appreciative of the of the Christian Reformed Church? Strope waffles are nice. Um, <laughs> uh, we uh, we have um, you know one thing I, I I appreciate is that we have a history, as I said, of, of trying to of trying to bring that these these modern and this orthodox together. Right, we do that. We you know, even, uh, you know, um, Bratt's book on uh, Dutch Calvinism in modern America, uh, he talks about this, about how, you know, even from the very beginning, the, the, the Dutch settlers knew that they were going to have to Americanize. This was just part of the, it's going to happen. Uh, and, and so there was always this understanding that there needed to be, uh, there needed to be dialogue between sort of the old ways and the new ways. And I think that, um, Christian Reformed Church at its best has tried not to stop its ears to what's going on, um, but has tried to engage with it uh, from what from within a from within a, a biblical worldview, right? Trying to give a biblical worldview perspective on it, critique it where necessary, criticize it, uh, excuse me, and, and and accept criticism, you know, and, and other places. Um, so that's that's that was probably what drew me to. Uh, the Christian Reformed Church, and then of course, you know, we can talk about systems and structures and all that kinds of stuff. But um, just the people, you know, I think that that's I've all the congregations I've been a part of. I've just in the Christian Reformed Church have all been, um, you know, people are people who have been raised in their church. Uh, seem at least you know that I've experienced for the most part. You know, they seem they're serious about. The scriptures they're serious about uh growing in their faith and um yeah so that's 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 where i'm at in terms of what's yeah. positive about the christian reformed church yeah and it's interesting that you point out and i don't remember where i read that if that was in Bratt's book or if it was in another crc history book where they talk about the four streams of the crc church mm-hmm. throughout history And so they, you know, they talk about there's the confessional stream, the pietist stream, the Americanized stream, and then the Kuyperian kind of stream, all these four different ways of being Christian reformed in the world and how they're, um, they're all at tension with one another too, right? They kind of grab hold of each other. We're trying to be modern and orthodox and some are leaning more orthodox. Some are leaning more modern. We're always kind of fighting this tension and, And uh, throughout the history of the CRC, that's been a a wrestling point. I mean, for the last, if you read Bratt's book, you can hear about all the tensions in twenties and thirties where they thought the denomination was going to fall apart. And then the seventies and then the nineties. And here we are in 2020 and we're think people are going, is the CRC going to be around in the next few years or what's going to go on? Right. And because we're feeling this pull again between this modern and and orthodox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
But you know, I mean, it's is that unique to us? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, think of, think back to, because um, I know you're this old. Uh, think back to, uh, let me see here. Think back to, um, you know, the 1300s. It's the 1300s or the 1200s when uh, I think it's 1200s when 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 Aquinas was was doing his work. You know, I mean, the church had just discovered Aristotle. I mean, in large, I mean, Aristotle, you know, they'd had a little bit of Aristotle before, but now they had pretty much the entire corpus. And uh, there was, a, how are we going to, in back at that day, you know, Aristotle was like, you want to, what's science? Go read Aristotle, right? What's philosophy? Go read Aristotle. You know, what's politics? Go read Aristotle. And there was huge debates in the church. You had people on the far left who wanted to be pure Aristotelians, basically, um, and and we're going so far as to say that, um, you know, that God hadn't created the world and all that kind of stuff. And then you had people on the far right who were saying this whole Aristotle thing is of the devil and uh, we need to completely ignore him. And then you had, you know, a group of people that were sort of in between. And this is the, this is the way the church is always, you know, we, there's always this uh, struggle, right. To do this. Um, But there's definitely more, and that's more faithful ways of, of navigating the streams and others. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's easy for us to forget that while we're still on this earth, we're considered the church militant. Right. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Right. We're, we're still, uh, I know we don't like to use military language and fighting language in the church anymore, but, but, um, but we're, the the Bible talks about us being, a you know, pressing on, pressing forward. There's going to be this battle and struggle in the church until Christ comes again and the new heavens and the new earth are established. It's going to be this tension and struggle forever. Right. I mean, if we, I just preached on this this last Sunday, First Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 18. You know, Paul's encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight, right, against the, the false teachers in Ephesus. Um, and uh, I think that part of the reason you know, why we have that is it's not just Timothy who's engaged in this great struggle, uh, but, you know, we are all engaged in the great struggle um, to preserve um, the faith as it was once delivered under the, under the church. Um, so not an easy thing. Difficult. To yeah. Do. yeah. Yeah. I was reminding my girls, we were doing family devotions the other night and reading through, uh, we're going through Romans and there's this little line I hadn't noticed. We stopped and um, pondered it for a little bit in Romans one, where he said, Oh shoot. Now I forget how he said it. But anyways, basically I feel convicted to minister to both the wise and the foolish. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I just stopped there and told our kids, boy, do you feel convicted to witness to and minister to the foolish people in your school or in our community? Or do you want to just, you know, our tendency is to be like, ah, oh, there's fools to heck right. with them. and and push them off right and and paul said no we need to engage there we need to we need to wrestle and have that battle um and uh and try to help point them to christ um and sometimes that means i was thinking um you know you're talking about first timothy i preached through titus um just a little while ago and in titus one he describes you know the congregation of crete right as evil evil beasts lazy gluttons and fools right um (laughs) And he says, you know, how do you minister to them? He says, you need to rebuke them sharply (laughs) so that they would hold to the faith. And so there's this, uh, there is this wrestling match that always is happening in the church um, in order for us to stay faithful. And yet, like you said, and yet speak the gospel in ways that are modern or in, you know, speaking to what people are 
dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're mentioning Paul saying that about the Cretes. Um, the Cretans? Yeah. Is that, is that the word? Um, that is. That's where that, the word comes from. Really? Cretans. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as I was talking to an elder, I preached on Romans 13 uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, obviously political situation in the United States, somewhat tense. And uh, he came up to me after the sermon. <laughs> he said to me, said, you know, I, I sort of felt like you were holding back a little bit. You know, in the in preaching on Romans thirteen, it's like no, nothing you said was bad or anything like that, but just felt like you you could have said more than you did. It's like you are very wise indeed. I was holding back just a little bit, you know. He's like, well, you know, Paul never held back. And I said, yeah, but Paul couldn't be Article seventeen, so <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more reserved. <laughs> yeah. And Paul did hold back. If you, when you read through first and second Corinthians, he says, Hey, I'm writing to you now so that I don't have to really rip into you when I come there in person. So get your, get your act together. Cause if I come there, so I'm holding back now so that later I don't have to really let it fly. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's a, there is a time to hold back. Um, that's a struggle though for pastors. I just got done meeting with a group of pastors a few weeks ago. And uh, that was the question we were wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at what point are you holding back and then just being holding back because of fear of man, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to hold back because of fear of man, but there's a wisdom mm-hmm. to there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet, right? Ecclesiastes three. And so wrestling with how do you know when you're because you can be a jerk too, right? You yep. can just Absolutely. pound everybody over the head and you're doing that to please yourself too, not to serve the sheep. And so it's a, we, we wrestled through that for probably an hour. Just how do you, how do you know how to hold that balance and, yeah. um, and, and not just always be pounding people over the head, but also not always just being the soft, gentle, right? Shepherds carried a, a staff and a, and a shit, uh, <laughs> a rod and a staff there you go yeah, yeah and uh um and so they were they were hard and they were soft and they were doing all of those things um but it's a struggle for pastors for sure so what uh as we're kind of coming closer to the end uh what are some of the things that concern you about the christian reformed church now as you're looking at what's going on right now in our denomination but even maybe looking ahead to the next year or two or three uh concerns about the Christian Reformed Church. Um, I think my, my biggest, well, uh, some of the, I think we've already touched on a little bit in terms of, I think that there is, as there is much less engagement with and understanding of the a confessional tradition of which we are a part. Um, and some of that is unintentional, uh, but some of that I think is a little bit intentional um, because I think, um, well, I'll just be clear. I think that there, I know for a fact, there are certain members, ministers uh, in the Christian Reformed Church, some of whom I went to seminary with, um, who do not believe <laughs> what our confessions teach. Um, 
and they, you know, I don't know what the stories they tell themselves in order to to do that with a good conscience, but nevertheless, uh, they do that. And so it's a little bit of um, self, I think that that's a big problem is that we don't, uh, we don't really have a good appreciation for our confessional tradition in the Christian Reformed Church. We don't have an agreed upon understanding of what it means to subscribe to them. Um, and that's a, that's a significant challenge. I mean, I'll be quite blunt. I mean, uh, we were talking about planning uh, earlier, uh, but uh, another person in the Christian Reformed Church, Nicholas Wolterstorff, uh, I mean, in print, he has made it very clear that he disagrees with a whole host of doctrines that are um, part of our confessional tradition, right? Doctrine of God, he doesn't, uh, he basically, he believes that God, you know, suffers, he believes that it's, I think he, he as one professor of mine put it, he's basically an open theist when it comes to mm. um, God's foreknowledge. Um, he uh, does not uh, believe in, in, a, in, our, in our doctrines of, of, of uh, depravity and, and, and um, predestination and things of that nature. Uh, and yet uh, these gentlemen uh, remain members in good standing in the church. So I think that, um, what am I trying to say here? I think that we've, we have lost a consensus about what it means to be a confessional denomination. Yeah. And, and part of that has resulted in a lack of willingness to engage in uh, church discipline. I think that um, this is a, this is a big challenge. You know, I I was talking to an OPC friend of mine recently, uh, who was talking to someone from classes Grand Rapids East, and he was you know, my OPC friend was lamenting that you know they had to go through this. This, this church discipline case of, of potentially leading to excommunication. And, and the person he was talking to said, you know, I don't think there has been an excommunication in classes Grand Rapids East for like the last 50 years or something of that nature. And my friend said, my friends, my friends said, uh, you know, that either means that the people in classes Grand Rapids East are extraordinarily holy Right, uh, or or there's a problem going on there. Um, I think that's a challenge, um, and so that's that's sort of where that comes from. Um, goodness gracious! Um, but you know, all that sort of comes from I think just a lack of. There's a a great deal of lack of commitment to the. I don't know if a lack of commitment to the scriptures is the right way to put it, but there's definitely a, we have different hermeneutics too. So the confessional issue is one side of that, but the other issue is that we're just working with different hermeneutics in the Christian Reformed yeah. Church. And the Christian Reformed Church has in some way encouraged this. I mean, our women in office choice in 1995, wasn't it? Uh, or was maybe even earlier than that, when Nine. 2000, right? When they came out and they basically said, look, they're, the scripture teaches both positions, right? Or, or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that was sort of a moment where it's like, well, no, can't, right? Uh, so either one is wrong or one is right. And we have to believe that the scripture, and so it's sort of a question of where does the sufficiency of scripture play in, in the Christian Reformed Church? 
I'm not yep. sure that we're convinced as much as we used to be that the scriptures contain everything that we need in order to uh, regulate the life and doctrine of the church. I think there's um, more there people who are saying, no, we need, we have to go outside of scripture in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, I think I really, I think, well, some of the, the conversation back in the seventies, um, regarding our doctrine of biblical authority and biblical interpretation that didn't help either. Nope. Um, but, but I, I do still think the real strong catalyst for throwing us into where we're at now was the women in office decision. And it was, I think it was just very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. It was, Hey, we do, the denomination is going to split over this. And so what can we do? It wasn't, a. uh, people get angry at me for saying it this way, but I'm just going to say it anyways. It wasn't a, what decision is going to honor God most. It was what's going to save the CRC at all costs. Let's say scripture can arrive at both positions through, or we can arrive at both positions by holding to a reformed hermeneutic or by using a reformed hermeneutic. And boy, if you throw that out there, then how many more positions can you both arrive at from a reformed hermeneutic? It really undercuts any confessional identity you have because then kind of everything's up in the air then if you can um rather than just if we would have just made a decision back then there would have been a split one way or the other mm-hmm. but we could have moved forward but now it's just been festering under the skin of our denomination for the last 20 years and it's really coming to a head now mm-hmm. as we're talking about human sexuality um because that's the same argument people are making again right well maybe we can arrive at both positions from through a reformed hermeneutic or if we take a stand on this right the big one that i keep hearing if we take a stand on this if we make a decision on this it will be the most divisive thing we could ever do and uh and i keep thinking no i think to actually not take a stand on this will be the most that'll kill us for sure yeah. i think people are, if, if you don't take a stand you're gonna there, there is no nice middle position here um, you're, if you don't take a stand, you're, you're still going to lose people, um, to the left and to the right of you. Um, and then if you, however, however the Christian Reformed Church comes down on this in, in Synod 2022, you're, you're going to have churches, well, you're going to have churches that leave. <laughs> How many churches you have that leave, uh, is going to be an interesting issue. I think if the church clearly in 2022 sides with the report that's come out and adopts the recommendations. I think that it's likely that you, you might find some um, more liberal churches, progressive churches who say, okay, we're done. We're leaving. Um, I, my suspicion is, is that given the history of liberal churches in our denomination, they'll stay uh, and they'll try to fight it out um, or engage in some kind of, ecclesiastical disobedience uh, kind of thing and dare the synod to do anything about it, um, which will be, again, another great test of the Christian Reformed Church from a conservative perspective. Uh, yeah. Will we have the, you know, given what I've said earlier about church discipline, will we have uh, the, the confidence uh, to engage in the kind of church discipline that, that needs to take place if that's, if that's what's happening? Um, if the report is not adopted, especially, I think, if the report is, if the element about confessionality um, of this issue, and I, I agree with, the personally, I agree with the report. I think that um, 
you know, if you take, if you will, an originalist approach uh, to confessional interpretation, um, and if you've ever read Ursinus's commentary, there's no way that they would have understood the seventh commandment uh, to not apply to uh, the issue of same-sex relationships. In fact, arguably, that's what Paul himself does in First Timothy chapter one. Um, so, um, if that doesn't pass, I think that you're going to see a much. I think the conservatives will leave the Christian Reformed Church. I think that there's no doubt about it. Um, there's a less of a tolerance on the side of of uh, of conservatives to less patience. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I sort of think this is my own sort of description. I sort of think of sort of liberals slash progressives as sort of like taking on more of a prophetic uh, stereotype, right? They want to go to the lost children of Israel and call them back to the truth, right? And, and all that kind of stuff. And I sort of consider like conservatives tend to be more priestly, you know, like they're very much concerned. They're more concerned about holiness and purity and cleanliness and all these kinds of things. Uh, so, you know, if it's not clean or pure or holy, we've got to cast it out, right, or separate ourselves from it. Um, I don't know how helpful that is, but um, I think... I that, like the imagery. Yeah. yeah, I think there's something There's something there. I don't know what it is, um, but that's definitely a concern. So, yeah, you talk about what are my concerns? I mean, how, how are we going to do in 2022? What are we going to do, regardless of what's decided there, is are we going to be able to exercise church discipline on the churches that will invariably uh, resist uh, the decision if it comes out the way I hope it does? Um, but even going forward, I have I have concerns about uh, the CRC's confessionality um, in terms, I think, that we have in the Christian Reformed Church a very broad evangelicalism. Uh, and I would say that even among the more conservative people, when you really probe down beneath the the surface, there's sort of like a veneer of confessionalism, um, but at the end of the day, they're pretty much, their instincts and their theological reflexes are more broadly evangelical. Uh, so, for example, um, I am, it's no secret, at least in my classes, <laughs> in my church, uh, I am not a big fan of, of uh, deacons uh, at synod and at classes, and I think that um, this, I think that there are good confessional reasons why that, that shouldn't be the case. Um, uh, but even if I'm wrong with that, if you go and you read the diaconal report that came out that led to that, it was very much this attitude of, you know, church structure is just sort of like what we need at the time. So if we need, you know, if deacons need to be, have a higher profile than pastors sometime, well, then that's what we'll just do. Uh, we can have as many offices or as few offices as we want. Um, and I, it's like, no, no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, I don't think that's scriptural. And it's clearly, that's easily not the confessional's position. So um, I think that that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's another sort of indication that even if there's a conservative, if you will, um, success at, 20, at Synod 2022, I still think that we're going to have to sort out in the Christian Reformed Church, okay, are we going to be a broadly evangelical denomination or are we going to be a confessional denomination? Yeah, and amen. I think that that's, that's going to be... So, we live in interesting times. <laughs> we do, yeah. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying. 
um, because I've said numerous times that I think kind of the future of the Christian Reformed Church kind of hinges on the ba- on the hinges on discipline, mm-hmm. right? If if we're gonna, it doesn't even matter if we pass the report yeah. and make it confessional if we're not willing to do any discipline on it, right. um, and and we'll lose just as many conservative churches eventually. Um, people will leave if we're not going to enforce any of this. But but you took the additional nuance, which I think is helpful, that discipline forever, that's not the only answer, right? Discipline right. is um, just trimming. Um, we need to build and we need to grow and we need to start developing this confessional identity throughout the Christian Reformed Church. I think it's been lost over the years. It slowly just kind of slipped away and we haven't had good confessional teaching Um I've been blunt enough to say, I mean, I don't, if I'm going to look for good confessional material, I don't look to stuff coming out of our denomination because I think it's all junk. Um, And I'll just be that blunt that I don't look for it for my family. I don't look for it for anybody because I think it's all just fluffy, not good. Mm -hmm. I look to other places. The OPC puts out some pretty good confessional stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, and that saddens me. Because we've got such a rich heritage that why can't our why can't we be putting out better material? And so, in order for us to really long term, if we're going to see Reformation happen in the Christian Reformed Church long term, we need to not only discipline, yes, but we need to start building as well. Kind of that idea of Nehemiah, right? You got to build and fight, kind of at the same time, discipline and then instruct as well. Trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Amen. Yeah. Well, what do you have kind of for some final words, Cedric? We have a number of uh, pastors who listen to this podcast and and just, I hate saying, and just regular parishioners, but other conservative-minded people in the, in the CRC wanting to see Reformation. What kind of advice do you give them on what role can they play um, in helping bring about Reformation in the CRC right now? Well, I think you have to start with yourself. Don't don't look to, you know, don't, you know, start with yourself and take responsibility first and foremost for your own spiritual uh, growth and maturity, right? Uh, we can, you know, we can, we can talk about the confessions, but how well do you know, you know, your own confessional tradition? How, what are you doing to grow in your understanding of it? And not just, it's not just it's theology, but it's piety, right? Um, what is your prayer life like? What are your, what are your, tradition what's your habit of, of scripture reading and things like that i think that you have to start at that point because if you're not living it out uh, i think that it's clearly it's going to be more difficult to persuade other people um of uh of wanting to go back as it were returning to the to the the ancient paths um i think then um i think we need to be a little bit uh, sort of like we were talking about Paul having to hold back a little bit. Sometimes you have to remember that uh, the CRC did not get to its current place uh, in a day or a year uh, or even a decade. Uh, it got here slowly over the last, let's say, for the sake of argument, 30, 40 years. Uh, and so you're going to need to be patient with people and uh, try to, to gradually bring people around. Um, that's, uh, I think that's fair, but I also think that in that we can still do things. I, I would really encourage, uh, pastors, uh, if they can, either through Zoom, uh, to get together with other, um, conservative, 
confessionalist reformed ministers um, here in, it's a little easier for us in Western Michigan, uh, but I get together with a group of pastors every once in a while um, who are, who encourage one another, right, to remind us that, you know, we're not alone uh, in this, that there are many other people who are, who are here with us, you know, we are not, uh, there are, the Lord has preserved 7,000 uh, for us, um, and uh, I think that's very important. I think we need to be, uh, for the Reformation, the Christian Reformed Church, I think after that, you sort of do have to be attentive to who are you hiring to be your minister? Um, I think lay people need to become not only more uh, self-consciously reformed and confessional, but they need to be involved in that process. Ask the, ask the hard questions and ask them directly. Uh, what do you believe about justification through faith? Uh, what do you believe about the doctrine of hell? What do you believe about the doctrine of predestination, etc.? Um, and uh, don't allow ministers to be squishy and and squirm out of these things. You know, um, uh, don't let them ob obfuscate. Um, and then I think after that, I think it's um, I think it's a matter of making. Sure, encouraging people who you're confident of, you know, say, you know, the Christian Reformed Church really needs you to, to be a voice at synod and classes, uh, and, uh, you know, you need to put your put yourself forward. I know it's it's a difficult thing for a lot of people because, you know, it's, you know, they only get so many weeks off of work during the year, especially our elders, um, but our elders are, uh, it's, it's very important that we have good elders who are, and deacons. <laughs> who are making <laughs> I make that concession you know to uh, to uh, to go to Senate so I think um, that's the way forward and to understand I mean at the end of the day um, we are here for Christ right and we are here to do his work in his ministry and um, you know it may be I think we have to be honest about this it may be that uh, it may be that the Christian Reformed Church has uh, had its opportunity uh, to repent. Um, and, you know, the Lord says very clearly in, in Revelation that sometimes he, he will remove lampstands. Um, and it, it may be that that's just the way it is. Um, but um, I think that that's the, we need to keep, keep it in mind that uh, the Christian Reformed Church is not the church, although we used to call ourselves the true Dutch Reformed Church. Um, and um, I think that, uh, just remember that, you know, we are, our commitment is ultimately not to the Christian Reformed Church per se, or even to our confessions per se, it's to Christ. And insofar as these things are, are useful tools for his, for his glory. So, that's a very long answer to you, but uh, I think that that's something like that might be helpful to somebody. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for a conversation with Lloyd Hemstreet. Until then, don't forget, this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy 
Reformation.